this is Pam Johnson, back to discuss mistakes in CT data acquisition and how to avoid them. So now we're going to move on. We talked about the different timings that are used for abdominal imaging, and let's talk about now how we combine these timings depending on the indication. We really need to be very careful now. We cannot perform two and three post-contrast acquisitions in every patient because of radiation exposure. So what we want to do is we want to think about maximizing lesion conspicuity depending on the pathology in question, but limiting radiation dose. So we have tailored protocols that we have defined based on the literature for different indications, whether it's CT angiography, hepatic imaging, there are different protocols depending on whether it's a hypo or a hypervascular mass that's suspected. Pancreas imaging, similar, uh, that adenocarcinoma and islet cell tumor will look very different depending on the timing. For kidneys, there's different protocol depending on whether you're looking at a renal mass, whether you're staging renal cell carcinoma, or you're evaluating a patient with pyelonephritis. So back to our previous discussion when we talked about the different timing, the early arterial phase, as I mentioned, is about 25 seconds. This is the phase that we use for CT angiography. And um, one of the things that's essential and I think is pretty widely accepted at this point is that 3D, 2D multiplanar reconstructions and 3D renderings are essential for CT angiography. Evaluation of just axial images and even axials and MPRs may not be adequate, especially for small aneurysms or stenoses. And I will show you a couple of examples here. So here is a patient with an aneurysm uh, of the renal artery and you could probably guess what side it's on since I've told you the patient has a renal artery aneurysm, but really very clearly demonstrated on the 3D volume rendering in a coronal orientation. And you can see that if you were interpreting this, the axial images quickly, you could miss an aneurysm, renal artery aneurysm. So uh, multiplanar reconstructions and 3D rendering really help us identify small vascular abnormalities. Here's a patient that was sent to Hopkins for resection of their neuroendocrine tumor of the pancreas, coronal reconstruction. We see a very vascular lesion in the pancreatic body. And when we do a 3D rendering, this is not an islet cell tumor. In fact, it's a splenic artery aneurysm. We've seen a couple cases like this. This is a uh, mistake you do not want to make. This patient does not need a pancreatic resection. They need their aneurysm coiled, depending on the size or symptoms. So... Uh, essential to look beyond the axial images, even beyond the multiplanar reconstructions. The 3D renderings add another level of information. And without any additional radiation exposure to the patient, we're just post-processing the data. Here's a small branch aneurysm. As you can see, much better visualized with the coronal volume rendering on the right. Here's a patient with vasculitis. On the coronal uh, volume rendering on the left and the axial image on the right from venous and delayed acquisitions, we see areas of decreased enhancement, bands of decreased enhancement in both kidneys, clearly an abnormality, but the arterial finding is only made apparent when you do a MIP rendering. Look at the small aneurysms in the renal arteries and in the hepatic artery in the top left corner of the image. So this is a patient with vasculitis and small aneurysms that will not be detected without use of 3D rendering to, to uh, demonstrate these subtle findings. So some pitfalls of CT angiography. Occasionally, some arterial, arterially supplied structures 
will not fully enhance on the arterial face. A large aneurysm or a pseudoaneurysm, I'll show you a couple examples, these may not be maximally enhanced until the venous phase. Here's a patient with a giant right coronary artery aneurysm marked with an A in the image on the right, and it appears to be thrombosed. It's coming from the right coronary artery. We see the origin of the coronary artery, and then we see that there's no enhancement beyond the origin, and there's this low attenuation aneurysm, large aneurysm. Here's a nice uh, blown-up image to show the aneurysm coming from the right coronary artery looks thrombosed. Well, the patient was imaged with a venous phase protocol for a different indication, and this is a completely perfused large aneurysm, enhancing completely. No thrombus at all. So let's go back and look again. It's a little bit heterogeneous. This is the kind you have got to pay careful attention to uh, whether it's heterogeneous or and perform a region of interest measurement if you have a really early acquisition before you call something thrombosed. But the key is waiting. With a large aneurysm, it's the venous phase that may be the timing that shows you that this is completely perfused. Here's a gastroduodenal pseudoaneurysm, gastroduodenal artery pseudoaneurysm. You can see it on the arterial end on the venous phase acquisition, but look at how much more uh, densely enhanced it is on the venous phase. And for this becomes an issue with a smaller aneurysm that you may not appreciate on the arterial phase, a smaller pseudoaneurysm, and uh, it's more conspicuous on the venous phase. So this is very important to remember when you're imaging patients with pancreatitis be sure that you look carefully on the arterial and the venous phase for any vascular complications such as a pseudoaneurysm. Okay, let's talk about liver, liver masses. There are uh, a range of different types of pathology that can involve the liver primary and metastatic disease, and the imaging timing depends on the pathology. So for uh, hypovascular liver masses, colon cancer, pancreas, gastric, lung, ovarian, this, these are best seen on the venous phase. And the venous phase is optimal and really all that's required. So here's a patient that was imaged with dual phase imaging on the early arterial phase. We do not really appreciate any liver metastases, but on the venous phase, clearly there are multiple metastatic lesions in the liver. Timing is essential. We have to wait until the liver is maximally enhanced, and then these hypovascular lesions will become apparent against the enhanced liver. It's essential to recognize that not just timing but iodine load are important for identifying hypovascular liver metastases. And this is not anything new. This was discussed by Brink and Hyken back in the 90s when they defined a minimum iodine load to enhance the liver so that we could identify the hypo-enhancing liver metastases. Um, using conventional CT at that time, the minimum load was 521 milligrams of iodine per kilogram. Now, we're starting to reduce our iodine loads because our scanners are faster. And so for vascular images, this is, this is fine. You can reduce the dose and still get an excellent aortic study. You're not going to compromise your image quality. But when you're imaging the liver, you do not want to reduce the dose too low because then you will not adequately enhance the liver to be able to identify hepatic metastases. It doesn't matter how fast the scanner is. Liver imaging is all about the iodine load. So let's, let's just use an example of a 70-kilogram patient. If you're using 300 
concentration contrast, and you give 80 mLs, you only get an iodine load of 342 milligrams of iodine per kilogram. And remember, the early work said it should be over 500. Now, at this time, with the resolution of the current scanners, we don't really have a number that's defined, but you just need to keep in mind that you do not want to be reducing your iodine load too low in a patient who's potentially has liver disease, metastatic disease, or even primary liver tumors. This is a great uh, paper that was written by Bay that really shows this nicely in charts. And they compared uh, different concentrations of contrast. So 400, 350, and 300. Using a fixed volume, you can see that the 400 delivers a higher iodine load, so the hepatic enhancement was higher. In this case, they used a single contrast concentration of 350 and three different volumes. And again, the higher volume delivered a higher iodine load and resulted in higher hepatic enhancement. So whether you're increasing the concentration or you're increasing the volume, either way you increase the iodine load and you have improved hepatic enhancement. And just to prove it, here is a fixed iodine load where we have three different concentrations with three different volumes delivering the same iodine load. And as you can see, the liver enhancement is identical. So it's, it's not that you are required to use a specific iodine concentration contrast. You just have to be sure that one way or another, you deliver an adequate iodine load when you're imaging the liver. Okay, let's move on to hypervascular metastases. These are the neuroendocrine and carcinoid mets, renal cell mets, thyroid cancer, melanoma can be hypervascular, and then some primary tumors like hepatocellular carcinoma, adenoma, hemangioma, and FNH is mildly hypervascular. So in this case, we need a late arterial phase or we're going to miss the lesions. So typically, if you're imaging for hypervascular metastases, we do late arterial and venous phase. Here's a nice example from the literature in a paper written by Francis that shows early arterial phase imaging, very subtle lesion. During the late arterial phase, multiple hypervascular metastases in the liver. It, this is the slightest difference in timing, but it makes an incredible difference in your ability to identify the lesion because we have to wait until the contrast has enhanced the metastases, but not wait too long because then the liver will enhance and you will no longer see these. So late arterial phase is the optimal window for these. Here's a, a couple examples of neuroendocrine tumors that we've seen. Look at how much more conspicuous it is on the arterial phase than on the venous phase. Here's a patient who had arterial and delayed acquisitions. Can't see the lesions on the delayed acquisition. Here is a patient, we can see the lesions on the arterial and the venous phase, but much more conspicuous on the arterial phase because the liver has not yet enhanced. And then the venous phase, when the liver peaks in enhancement, um, the, the differentiation between the tumor and the liver is decreased. Okay, moving on to hepatocellular carcinoma, you can use various combinations um, depending on whether it, it's, you're in a country where it's a very common tumor. Some places will image four times, especially in a cirrhotic patient, because these can be very difficult to identify. We do not. We just do arterial and venous phase imaging, but um, it's, it's important to recognize that you have to have at least arterial and venous phase imaging. Here's an example of the importance of the late arterial phase as opposed to the early arterial phase. And I mentioned this previously, the early arterial phase 
is not when these are most conspicuous. It's a slightly later 35 to 40 second timing when hepatocellular carcinoma is most conspicuous. There were a number of papers published comparing the different timings showing that the early arterial phase has no incremental benefit for detecting these lesions. Here's a larger tumor that is big enough to be seen both on the early arterial and the venous phase. This is from a paper written by Francis. But look at how much more conspicuous it is on the late arterial phase, again, emphasizing the importance of this timing. Here's a patient with fibrolamellar cancer of the left lobe of the liver. You can see that the left lobe is abnormal on the venous phase, but on the arterial phase, this is when we see the neovascularity and the hypervascularity that really helps us to identify this tumor with confidence that there is a malignancy in the left lobe of the liver. So arterial phase timing essential for hepatocellular carcinoma. As I mentioned with the hypovascular lesions, both timing and iodine load are important with hypervascular lesions like hepatocellular carcinoma. And the reason in this case is that we have to maximally enhance the tumor against the unenhanced liver. So there was a paper that was written, uh, that was published in AJR that showed that using a higher iodine load resulted in excellent depiction of these tumors. And that if the iodine load was 450 milligrams of iodine per kilogram, there was adequate depiction, but 525 milligrams resulted in excellent depiction. And I'll show you some cases from that article in AJR here. You can see, depending on the iodine load, how much more conspicuous the lesion is because of the much higher enhancement level. So this is, again, to underscore the importance of not reducing your iodine load when you're imaging liver, either for hypo or hypervascular lesions. Okay, moving on to pancreatic imaging. As I mentioned, pancreatic adenocarcinoma and neuroendocrine tumors have very different appearances on CT. We still perform the same set of phases. We perform an arterial and a venous phase. The late arterial is called the pancreatic phase that was really nicely defined in a paper by McNulty in radiology. They showed that actually the tumors are most conspicuous during the portal venous phase, but the combination of a late arterial and a portal venous phase enabled both tumor detection and staging in terms of vascular encasement and metastatic disease. So I'd just like to show you, here's a nice example. It's a small tumor. You can't see the tumor so well, but I'm showing you just to demonstrate how these tumors enhance. So on the early arterial phase, the pancreas is enhanced to 94 Hounsfield units, and the tumor is 50 Hounsfield units. On the venous phase... The pancreas has enhanced up to 134 Hounsfield units, which is typical for a normal pancreas, but the tumor remains in the 50s, and this is when the tumor is most conspicuous, when the pancreas has enhanced and the tumor really has not enhanced. These are hypovascular lesions. The islet cell tumors are very different. These are hypervascular lesions. They can either be hyper-enhancing on the arterial or on the venous phase. They, they tend to vary. We see a lot of these. Um, most of the time, they're hypervascular. They can be cystic. There are, There is a cystic variant, but most typically, this is a hyper-enhancing mass. As you can see in this case on arterial and venous phase, they enhance to a higher degree than the pancreas. Here's one that's very subtle. On the arterial phase, can't be seen at all, and you see it very well on the venous phase. So important to understand that just because it's hyper-enhancing doesn't mean that it's most conspicuous on the arterial phase. Look closely on both phases for islet cell tumors. Another one that is better enhanced on the venous phase. And here's one that's very subtle, just completely inconspicuous on the arterial phase and seen only on the venous phase. And in this case, um, this was really 
better visualized in the coronal reconstruction. And although we don't have any real data, our experience has shown that use of coronals and looking on the NPRs really helps to identify these smaller islet cell tumors. So using all the tools available to you. All right, here's, um, again, the case that I showed you previously of the aneurysm mimicking the islet cell tumor. Okay, I think I'll stop there, and when I come back, we will review renal imaging. Thank you very much.